this, uh, this evening is Wednesday, July 11, 2012, and the uh, title of the message is Hey Jude. Hey Jude. Yeah. Everyone get the lyrics out of your mind right now. <laughs> um, and uh, recorded with someone who can kind of figure out where we're going with this. The Book of Jude, yeah. yeah. So turn to the Book of Jude. Um, we got some... Uh, Dustin's there. Anyone else? I'm there. I got some. All right. I'll wait a little bit longer. Jude, I'm going to stay in and around that area for tonight, so I won't make you exercise your fingers too much. So, the book of Jude. Uh, a lot we can learn from Jude. Um, I'm just going to start reading. We'll just go from there. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus. Uh, already we see in, uh, in the first verse that uh, Jude is, is positioning himself uh, in a place of humility. Um, he says from the very beginning, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I mean, he could very well say, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm James's brother, uh, Jesus' brother, hello, I'm, I'm the guy over here. Uh, but he puts himself as a servant first. He decides to humble himself uh, and calls himself a brother of James. Uh, position that he sees as key to everything else is being the least. Uh, and there are going to be times in our lives where we have to position ourselves in order to hear and receive what well, God, we can't think so highly and so lofty of ourselves that we've gotten to this place and in comparing ourselves to, to others or comparing ourselves, uh, well, even to our own selves in the past, that, uh, that we are, we're there. Man, we made it. You know, we've got to keep ourselves constantly in a position of, God, what do you desire of me? And uh, I'll do whatever I have to do. If i got to, you know, mop floors, if i got to clean toilets, I'll be a servant first, and then you can pull me up to that, uh, that place of honor. So uh, there are times where we need to position ourselves in order to hear and receive. And I, I think that we've, we've been doing that in the last uh, two or three months. Uh, we have been in a season of, uh, mentioned in our last home group meeting, we've been in a, uh, a rebuilding season uh, in, our, in our lives, in this ministry. Uh, personally, uh, there's been a uh, call to repentance. Uh, we've been rebuilding altars in our lives, um, setting up those, those places. Uh, to where we can lay down our lives and, and sacrifice all those things that are in our life. And uh, that rebuilding season, that uh, rebuilding of the altar is a place that we have been at. And we've been in a call to repentance, a call to a holiness. Uh, but I believe there's, there's more uh, to it than that. Um, and we've got to keep ourselves in that humble place. Uh, we turn to uh, James chapter 4, just a few books before that, and we're going to go back and forth. I think it's it's uh, you can kind of see parallels in in James and Jude. Uh, I mean, being that, that that they're probably brothers, you can see where they kind of have some similar thoughts. But James four, uh, I'll just start reading James four. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have. Because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend 
what you get on your pleasures. Skip down to verse 7. Submit yourselves to God then to submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. You see, there's, there's a position that we have to keep ourselves, a position of humility. Even Jesus Himself said, uh, I came not to be served, but to serve. That was the attitude of Christ. And if anyone, if any attitude that we can adopt, that we can uh, make as a model in our life, obviously Christ is to be that model. So uh, Jude is a person that takes the model of Christ and takes the... Uh, the position of humility, uh, and starts with that when he's addressing this congregation. Uh, Verse 3, Dear friends, although I was very eager, back in Jude, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And I think it's it's kind of funny the way Jude's talking, um, you know, he says, you know, I kind of want this to be a happy letter. You know, I really wanted to encourage you about your salvation, but there's some things that we need to address. There's some things uh, that we need to contend for. He says, I urge you to contend for the salvation, for the faith that was once entrusted to all, to all saints. He's urging us to contend, to fight for something. There's something that, that, uh, that he has a message that he has on our heart, on his heart, that he desires to give us that's beyond... You know, I think we all want to hear a good job. Oh, man, that was awesome. You're, you're great. You're awesome. Uh, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's time for encouragement. Uh, but there's a message in his heart that's burning even deeper than that. Uh, and this is what we're going to get into in the rest of, of the book. In verse 4, for certain, men whose condemnation, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only Sovereign and Lord. Um, there are certain men that slipped in. There are godless men. And it's real easy uh, to project this kind of language. There are certain men. You automatically start thinking, oh yeah, that's those, uh, those, uh, those, those flashy preachers with the big old watches, with the diamonds, you know, the... You know, got the rings on, got the uh, uh, slick back hair. Uh, what's that, 60 mile an hour hair that Ezekiel keeps talking about? Yeah. I think that was Eric. Oh, was it Eric? Yeah. Uh, keeps blaming on the pastor while he's not here. Um, you know, there's certain men, or you think that there's, you know, people that have slipped in that are, just, you know, like, oh, man, they're always talking about, they're always doing something, you know, there's certain men that slipped in, godless men, and it's easy to project it. Onto, yeah, yeah, I know those guys. I know their type. It's easy to typecast people. Uh, but I, let's change up one of those words and see if it applies to us. There's certain men that have slipped in, but what if there's certain thoughts, or certain actions, certain habits that have slipped in? And not just slipped into the church, but have slipped into our lives. There's certain strongholds that, you know, that may have come in, we may have kind of let down our guard, uh, let down our guard or may have gotten a little, a little, a little freedom happy, maybe. It's really easy to do that in America. You know, God bless USA. It's really easy to, you know, being in America to say, you know, I'm free to do whatever, especially in the church. Uh, but what if there's certain thoughts, certain actions, certain habits that have slipped in? And those certain things have, in our own lives, changed the grace 
of God, of our God, into a license for immorality. They deny Jesus, our only Savior and Lord. I'm sure we can all think of, you know, what, there's certain convictions in our lives that have maybe come and gone in our lives. Uh, and I know we're kind of in that season, that, that call to repentance, that call to holiness, uh, where maybe God's putting some new standards in our lives. Um, you know, maybe we can think about, you know, I used to be this way. Or I used to not do that, but now I've got the freedom. You know, or I used to do that, and now I don't do that. Uh, what is it that has caused to be I used to's in our lives? Why are there are I used to? You know, I used, man, I used to experience the presence of God. Man, I used to lay on my face before God for hours. Man, it was just so sweet and so intimate. Man, I used to just dig into my word. Why are there so many I used to's in our life? And I'm, this is, God's been kind of hammering me with this, so y'all just bear with me. You're going to get part of the uh, the aftermath of what he's doing to me. But uh, there's a I used to going on in our lives. Uh, because maybe we've let certain thoughts and certain actions and certain habits creep into our lives. Uh, and it's changed the grace of God into a license for immorality. Or it could be even worse. It could be even uh, a different mindset that we've maybe adopted uh, unknowingly or even knowingly, even worse. I know it's wrong, but I also know that, you know, God's going to forgive me. He always does. I mean, he did it last week, so he's probably going to forgive me. All I've got to do is come down to the altar and repent and make sure everyone sees me, you know, repent and, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. God's going to forgive me, you know, as long as I... You know, open myself in front of people. Um, you know, he has to. He has to do that. What is it that has changed that grace? Or is it something even, something that God's been nailing me with? Turn back to the book of James. We're going to be flipping back and forth. James chapter 4. Now listen to what, to verse 13. Now listen to who you say, Today or tomorrow we will go do this or that. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. A vapor is another translation. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Uh, I know I've been guilty of that. Thinking, uh, I was talking to Mike the other day. We are riding to a job and talking about security. And I got to this place. Guys put me in, in a faith walk um, about, you know, with the business that, that he's, uh, he's called us to. And uh, it's definitely a walk of faith, you know, and I'm, I'm letting the, the words slip out of my mouth, man. I just need a little security, a little... Well, whoever promised me security? You know, whoever promised me a guarantee, you know what, you're going to have this lined up for six months, you're going to have this for the next three years. No one's ever promised that. No one has ever promised that. And, uh, you know, that's what God's really putting in me because I found myself thinking and having those thoughts and, and saying, you know what, if I can get this one in, I'll be set for 30 weeks. You know, I'll be set for two years, you know. And as much as it might be a blessing of God, I still need to keep that position that Jude has. Uh, even though God's blessing me, even though God's pouring out on me, I'm a servant first. I'll do the least of whatever it is. And then, God, you pull me up and you bless me. 
Instead, you ought to say, if this is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Is that what it is? Is that what's causing the grace to change, the, the license for immorality to come along? Is it the not doing what you know is right? <clears throat> is that the sin in our lives? Is that what's going on in us? Uh, you know, I even think as we've you know, been in the last couple of days in contact with a team from Romania, uh, you know, talking about Danielle and everything that's going on, you know, the thoughts crossed my mind, maybe someone else, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just with the Lord, you know, would it be a little more expedient or would it be, you know, not as drawn out if maybe I would have done my part and, and fasted? This only comes out by much prayer and fasting. You know what? I've been fasting. What if I fasted? What if, you know, what if it would have, it would have been a little, little quicker maybe or a little more less taxing? Maybe it has to be that way. But what if I didn't do my part? You know? I don't put it upon them. Just because they're there doing the work doesn't mean they have to do all the fasting for it. What is our part here? Amen. Is that our part to do a little more of that? I'm, this is just what God's telling me. I'm sorry if y'all get hurt in the, uh, in the aftermath of it, but, you know, it was my part. Because I didn't. I'll be honest. I wasn't. You know? So did I hinder it? Did I hinder the work? Did I, you know... Is something not doing something not breaking because I'm not doing my part. What we think, what we know to do is right, and we don't do it. Is that the sin? Is that what's getting in our way? James four four. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred to God? You either love God or you love the world. And he talks about in Jude, we deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. You know, you can't deny Christ and then call him your Lord. I mean, it's, it's, it's opposing each other. You either love God or you love the world. I mean, James 4.4 4 says, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. That's why I like, I really like James and I like Jude. They're, they're very black and white. Um, let's move on. It's getting a little heavy. It's getting heavier. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. So as a reminder, God delivered you out of Egypt. He delivered you out of Egypt. There should be times of memorials, times of rejoicing. So He's reminding us, even though we already know it, hey, God's giving you a victory. He's giving you there. Even though it feels like it's come a little heavy, you've got victories in your lives. He's going to do it again. I'm reminding you because He's going to do it again. And then He sets up, uh, He gives us a few examples. And the angels, verse 6, and the angels who did not keep their position of authority, but abandoned their own home, these He has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to the sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. How would you like that to be uh, under the definition of your name, the example that you're set? You serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. 
There you go. That's your, that's your lot in life. You know, we just got through studying, reading uh, in Hebrews, talking about the cloud of witnesses and all the people of great faith. Uh, but there's a flip side to it. I mean, you can be an example that way, and I praise the Lord for everything, everybody in our lives that have gone before us, that, have, uh, that are the cloud of witnesses and all those people of, of faith. Uh, but you're going to be an example one way or the other. Either an example of great faith, a great, uh, a great action, or uh, an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. These dreamers, uh, they pollute their own bodies. Um, you know, is there anything that's ungodly? Uh, it's unprofitable. Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Uh, what is it? Uh, I want to talk a little bit about ungodly here in a little bit. But are there anything? Is there anything in our life? Uh, are there any things in our lives that are ungodly, that are unprofitable, that uh, that just take up space? And I, I keep finding them in my life. Uh, there's just stuff that takes up, and there's stuff that has to happen. Stuff in life. Uh, but what is it? that's polluting my own body, that's polluting my spirit, that's keeping me, uh, that's making me uh, just a dreamer, just someone who, you know, is like, yeah, it'll happen one day, it'll happen, it never ends up happening because you're just a dreamer. Uh, they also reject authority. That's pretty plain and simple. You reject the authority, you reject uh, what God is instituting in your life. They slander celestial beings. That's a little more, oh, has anyone slandered a celestial being here recently? If you have, I'm kind of like the one, I'd like to know where you found the celestial being. Too. I'm going to probably hit you upside the head because you probably shouldn't do that. Uh, but let's look at it a little bit different. And slander celestial beings. Uh, and he goes on to talk about even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Uh, what about... The celestial beings. What about the spiritual things in life? What about what's going on in Romania right now? What if, I mean, did the thought cross your mind? Oh, is that real? Is that, I mean, that's, really? Demons still exist? Yeah. You know? What, what if we, do we take lightly the spiritual things? Take lightly the things that God has called us to? Uh, the, the, the fire that we sing about, that we want to consume our lives, do we take that lightly? Mm-hmm. Do we take lightly the call to holiness? Do we, have we can become too familiar with the things of God, with a time of intimate worship, with being in His presence. Yeah, we say, I want, I want the bread of your face. I want to be in your presence. I want to be consumed by you. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. I think we've lost a little bit of that. I think we've become familiar with his glory. I'm not saying you shouldn't desire, want to be, you should want to be in His presence all day, every day. But do we taste of it freely so much that we forget about everyone that doesn't have it? We forget about the people that are right next door to us that don't have freedom, that are bound in darkness. You know, where we say, we're the light of the world and our house is the city set on a hill. Well, you know, right across the creek is someone who's bound in chains. You know, what about the freedom that we have? What are we doing with that? Are we taking lightly 
Yeah, he's a slander of celestial beings. What about the spiritual things in our lives? Have we become too familiar? Have we lost the fear of the Lord? Have we lost a respect and an admonition for His presence, for, for what He's called us to do? Which is simply to be with Him, number one. And then everything else falls in line. These men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand. And what they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. So, you got a bunch of animals. See, it's getting worse for these guys. It's about to get worse. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's air. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Let's look at Look at those briefly. What is the way of Cain? Uh, obviously, you know, someone said murder. Yeah, murder is part of it. Angry. Angry. Jealous. Insufficient offering. No, that's all good. It's all good. I mean, we'll go back and look at it. Genesis chapter 4. I get a little Old Testament in it. This wouldn't be right. Wouldn't feel right. Starting in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and desires to have you, but you must master it. And then we know the rest of the story where uh, Cain has his brother come to the field and he kills him and the Lord finds him out. What have you done? He blows his cries to me from the ground and then he's cursed. So what is the way of Cain? Is it the way of what part of that story is the way it came? Is it all the story? Is it the... He brought some of the fruits of the soil. Did he just bring leftovers to God as an offering? Did he just bring... This is some of it because you read, Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. It's the offering that God desired. The firstborn. Uh, but Cain just brought some of the fruits. So is it the way of Cain? Is it the way of leftovers? Is it the way of, okay, God... You know, I have my fill of this, and I, I mean, I'm not going to eat these fries. You can have them more. You know, they're all yours. Uh, or is it the way of not mastering sin? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. God's given him a way out. I mean, yeah, he gave a offering, maybe a leftover offering. Just, you know, this is kind of what I have in my pocket. You know, this is what I can afford to give you. Um, and he's rebuked. But God's given him a way out. He's telling him, you must master it. You must master sin. Is the way of Cain master? Is it not mastering sin? Is it, like some of you said, anger? Is it murder? Is it the curse of Cain? Is it that he's going to restlessly wander? How many of us restlessly wander? You know, like going here and there. Like, man, I just, if I just had a better job. Or if I just... You know, if I could get this or that, man, if I could, I'm just not satisfied with this person. You know, it's just, that has church, 
It was good for the first six months until they got all of my business. You know, I'm going somewhere else. You know, what is the way of Cain? Is it maybe all of that? The way of Cain. What about Balaam's heir? This is all just one verse too. Balaam's heir. Uh, Numbers chapter 22. Read a little bit about Balaam. And what we all remember of Balaam's story is that he wasn't listening to God. And Balaam's donkey is kind of remembering, you know, that's kind of the picture that we all get when we see him. But, uh, I mean, there's more to Balaam's story than just that. Uh, let's just read. In verse chapter 12, what God said, that's a good place to start with where God said something. God said to Balaam, do not go with him. A little backstory: uh, Balak wants Balaam basically to go and curse the children of Israel. Wants them because he's he, in order for his prophet. And so he asked for, uh, you know, someone who can do that, who can call down blessings and curses, and he wants him to go curse them. So that's kind of a little short sum up. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's princes, go back to your own country. For the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite princes returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other princes, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, so they're trying to convince him uh, to do something that God said not to do. This is what Balak's son of Zippor says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. This is what Balaam said. This is actually, I, I like this part. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. This guy, he's got the right answers. So far, he's doing pretty good. He's got the right answers. Uh, I like I, I like that answer a lot. Uh, now stay here tonight as the others did, and I will find out what else the Lord will tell me. Well, if he doesn't want him to go with them, why would God want him to have them kind of stay tonight? Uh, so, that night God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. So Balaam got up in the morning. So he got permission from God. Balaam got up in the morning, sat on his donkeys, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. The angel of the Lord appeared again in a narrow path. Uh, the donkey walked off. She pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot. angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn. The donkey saw he just sat right down. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And he said to Balaam, Why have you, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. A little more foolish talking back to a donkey, I think. If I, he didn't need a lot of help. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Now he's having a conversation with the donkey. Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path 
is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared her. So what's the way of Balaam? Greed. Greed. Could be. Double-minded. Double-minded, being stubborn, like a donkey? Was it going somewhere that God told him not to go? Yes. Was it not heeding the Lord? Was it going down a reckless path? Was it having his eyes closed to what God was trying to speak to him? He was trying to tell him? God was trying to show him something? All the above. Korah's Rebellion, Numbers 16. Go back a few pages. Uh, I'll just sum it up. Uh, Korah led the way with some priests that turned their back on Moses and the calling. I mean, he was part of the Levitical... I mean, he was, you know... He was one of the people that was going to serve the Lord, the presence of the Lord for the rest of his life. It's not like he was just some kind of, you know, has-been. We kind of, he leaves a bad taste in our mouth now, but, I mean, here's a God who had all the right answers. You know, he, he was going to serve in the presence of the Lord for the rest of his life. But then he led a rebellion against Aaron, against Moses. Uh, and in the end, we all know what happened. He ended up getting swallowed up by the earth. But what was that rebellion? Was it a rebellion of... Let's read in verse, verse 12. Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, We will not come. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? And these are friends of, of, friends of Korah. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert? Wait a minute. Something sounds a little bit different. The land flowing with milk and honey. That's where, yeah, exactly. That's where they're headed. They're talking about Egypt like it's the promised land. Moreover, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey or given us any inheritance or fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out the eyes of these men? No, we will not come. And Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them nor have I wronged any of them. And you kind of read on if you want to go to the rest of the story. But what is that rebellion? Is it a rebellion of impatience? You know, God, we're not seeing the promise yet. We're going to do things our own way. You know, we, we know that back in Egypt, if we made our own idols, then, uh, you know, that's kind of what worked for us. Uh, is it a rebellion of doubt? You know, we've been here for so long. You said we're going to a land flowing with milk and honey, but we're not. We just came from... A land flowing with milk and honey. So it wasn't. It's a land of slavery, a land of uh, captivity. A rebellion of insolence. Was it selfish ambition on his part? James chapter 3. Who is wise and under, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility of that comes from wisdom. And the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. But is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. 
But where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Was it a rebellion of selfish ambition? Where you find, that's crazy, where you find envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every, every evil practice. They made Egypt their promised land. Have you ever found yourself saying, man, if I could only go back to, if I could only go back to so-and-so, you know, man, those times were the good times, man, those are, man, I, my neighbors are, uh, you know, God hasn't called you back there. If He had called you back there, He'd have left you there. He'd have left you there to starve yourself. In the end, all of that brought destruction. Moving along. You still with me? Yeah. Good. Okay. Quiet. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These men, the godless men, the ungodly, these men are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit, and uprooted, twice dead. They are the wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness have been reserved forever. Uh... Blemishes is what he calls them now. So they're ungodly, uh, they're insolent, they're blemishes. They're, 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 not, they're not doing too hot right now. These men that have crept in, uh, or are they, you know, habits that have crept into our life uh, and then changed who we are. Well, let's talk about those briefly. Because uh, this is stuff that I'm asking myself, am I this? Let's talk about shepherds. Shepherds who feed only themselves. Well, what's a shepherd that feeds only himself? It's so probably a shepherd that maybe, well, maybe he's uh, obviously he's not worried about the needs of his flock. Maybe he's worried about the numbers because he wants to get paid. You know, oh, just make sure they're all here. So when the shepherd, you know, the master shepherd comes back, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get paid for watching over him. He's caught up in the number of the flock. You know, oh, maybe it makes him feel better that he's got that number. You know, man, I got, I got fifty. He's only got 35 over there. Man, I'm doing pretty good. But the shepherd that feeds only himself, he doesn't feed, doesn't nurture the sheep. Obviously, nurturing the sheep requires sacrifice. Requires sacrifice of your time, sacrifice of your energy, probably sacrifice of your money because time equals money, right, in the business world. But we're not talking about money, are we? The sheep are left to starve. They're left to fend for themselves. Are we a guilty shepherd that feeds only ourselves? Have we reached out to the sheep in our flock? You know, are we just on that off on? You know, oh, when Pastor Ed and Pastor Matt get back, they'll take care of it. Clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Blown along by the wind. So, what's a cloud without rain? A cloud without rain. We'll talk a little about science for a little bit. Science. Cloud without rain is just empty vapors. It's a vaporous mist. It's it's a cloud. Cloud is a cloud. Uh, cloud without rain. It's not falling. It's just sitting there. There's no water. 
There's nothing refreshing around it. There's no life. It doesn't bring any life to anything. It's just sitting there in the sky. In order for a cloud to rain, it has to be seeded. It has to be some particles that have to be put into it. Water gathers around. Rain falls. brings refreshing. So a cloud without rain is a cloud that has no seed in it. It's not profitable. It's not purposeful. A cloud without rain may seem good. It may seem, oh, it's shade. Have you ever been sitting there? It's hot now. Uh, and you just, man, you just want some shade, some shade, shade clouds. You're working outside. And just, man, that's good. And then it moves away. And you just want to cuss out a cloud. Who would want to cuss out a cloud? <laughs> man, stay there. It seemed good. It had shade. It seemed like it was purposeful, like it was doing something. But it's easily moved. It's blown along by the wind. Autumn trees that are without fruit and uprooted. Twice dead. Watch twice dead. One, it has no fruit. So it's unproductive. It doesn't have anything that you partake of, you could eat of. It's not reproductive. It's not doing anything with itself. Uh, and it's uprooted. So it has no depth. It has no foundation. Lord, am I, am I an autumn tree? Am I a cloud without rain? And that seems to be the antithesis to... Psalms chapter 1, which I like. Psalms chapter 1, Blesses the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And from that is the blessing. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So are we a tree planted by streams of living water? Are we? Do we delight in the law of the Lord? Do we meditate on it day and night? Do we want what the wicked man wants? Do we walk in their way? Do we listen to what they say? You know, are we jealous for what they have? Probably not going to be a tree planted by the streams of living water. If that's all, if you're not, then you're a cloud without rain. You're an autumn tree without fruit, and you're uprooted, twice dead. Let's look at wild waves. Wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. What is a wild wave? We're a coastal city. Some of you live closer to the coast. I live there. We live close to the coast. That, you know, pretty beach of. Just kidding, I can't lie in the pulpit. <laughs> Nothing down. Beach down here is not pretty, but you see some waves coming in, and uh, a lot of times it just stirs up jump. And you see, uh, you know, like Surfside and different beaches down that way. Uh, there's a lot of seaweed, a lot of stuff, a lot of trash that comes in. It was a wild wave foaming up their shame. Wild wave uh, usually comes from some undertow, usually comes from a storm that's maybe coming in. Uh, but a wild wave is not self-controlled. A wave is moved by nature. Maybe human nature. It's moved by the weather. It's controlled by what's going on around it. Maybe some circumstances going on in life. That's the way the waves are moved. Foaming up their shame, they churn up what they are. You see what's in the depth of that water, the sea, because the wild waves bring it up. It foams up and it's, sometimes it's just not pretty. 
was just churning up itself. Lord, am I a wild wave. Wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. A wandering star, a star without direction, a light without this directionless, uh, whom the blackest darkness has been reserved for. It's fading out. It's, uh, from the picture that comes to my mind, the blackest darkness uh, that I think we can know in our realm is probably a black hole. And what is a black hole? I think Cassidy actually spoke about it a few months back. Uh, a black hole is a, is a star that, <clears throat> and correct me if I'm wrong, the gravity is so heavy that it pulls itself into itself and it implodes. So that self-gravity, that self Heaviness, that self constantly pulling into itself, never giving out, just pulling in. That self-gravity equals that implosion, that darkness, that never never giving out. These, these blemishes is what we're talking about. Lord, am I a wandering star? Do I have direction? Am I just pulling into myself? Am I just worried and consumed about the gravity? The way, Am I letting the world, the weightiness, fall on me? Am I, am I a black hole? Let's lighten up a little bit. Verse 14. Enoch. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. And of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against them. There's a lot of ungodly stuff going on. But this, you know, let's talk about Enoch for a little bit. We talked a lot about the bad examples, but Enoch is a good example. Uh, we, what do we know about Enoch? Not a whole lot. Uh, from basically from Jude and Genesis chapter five, what we learned. You can, if you want to skim it, there's not a whole lot there. But uh, Enoch was Adam's great, 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 great grandson. He's the seventh from Adam. Lord just said. Uh, Adam was 600. Do a little math. Adam was 622 when Enoch was born, uh, and he was 687 when Enoch began walking with the Lord. So. Together, when Enoch decided to start walking with the Lord, they spent 243 years together. Uh, and he's the seventh removed from Adam, so he's probably still got some close proximity. How cool is that? You know, the father of all mankind, you get to spend 243 years with and glean all this wisdom and all this. I mean, I'd be pretty excited about it. But Enoch walked with God. Uh, it also says in Genesis chapter 5, Enoch walked with God. He only walked with him 300 out of 365 years before he was taken up, before he was no more. Well, what changed? I mean, why only 300 out of 365? I mean, your, your, your great, 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 great grandfather was the father of all mankind. Why would you only walk with God 300 out of 365? You'd think you'd have some, you know, I, maybe it's just that human nature. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. But what changed after 65 years? He had a son at 65. His perspective changed. He saw life come into the world because of him. He saw, man, I've got something to take care of now. I've got something to raise. I've got something to nurture. I've got something to provide for. Something to show an example, to be an example for. His perspective, his perspective changed in his life. How many, how many of us daily, I know I need every day, need a perspective change? To get our eyes off of ourselves. To get our eyes off of that gravity, that imploding selfness. Uh, and know that there's sheep out there that are looking for a shepherd. There's people out there that are needing something that you have. 
verse 14. He prophesied about the ungodly. I'm sorry, verse 16. Those ungodly people, <clears throat> the grumblers, fault finders, follow own evil desires, boast about themselves, flatter others for their own advantage. Uh, then he goes on, verse 17, 18 and 19. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord, so this is what Enoch talked about, he prophesied, but Jude goes on to say, Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. So they follow ungodly desires. They divide you. They follow their own instinct. They don't rely on spiritual power. They're just on you know, their own flesh. So they don't have the Spirit. These ungodly people, these scoffers that Enoch prophesied about, that the apostles spoke of, all this, um, really, it's just a checklist. You know, that's what I see as, as for Jude. He's giving us a checklist. Are we getting this right? Are we doing what God's called us to do? Are we being the shepherds? Are we being productive trees? Are we being... Clouds that actually offer some life. They're not just shaped, it's not just blown around. They actually offer something. Are we being a star, a light that's actually a light? It's actually giving way to something. So this is what we're talking about. Verse 20, but. A big but. A lot of times when there's a but in the word, it's usually a good thing. I heard, uh, saw the other day, there was a... Uh, Y'all do it? Oh, no. I'll do it? I'll do it. You can always trust someone who likes big butts. They cannot lie. I saw that on Facebook. The you know, rare times that I get to. I won't tell you who posted it. posted it. Or reposted it. I always trust someone. But the, the butts in the scripture are a good thing. But you, dear friends, we've got all this. It's pretty heavy. It's been pretty heavy tonight. I'm trying to lighten it up a little bit. My wife's turning to red. Second row. It was funny when you posted. I mean, when somebody posted it. It's funny. It's okay. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as long as you wait, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. So although we've got all this heavy stuff that Jude's bringing, uh, you know, and maybe if you had wrote a little more than 25 scriptures, we might have had a little more cheerful, you know, addition there. Uh, but it is what it is, and this is what the Lord wanted us to read. Amen. Build up in the most holy faith. What is building up in the most holy faith? Well, it's probably has something to do with the book of James, because apparently that's where I keep going. Uh, verse 2, consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Building up your most holy faith is going to 
requires some perseverance. It's going to require you to not give up. It's going to require a little bit of a fight. Uh, pray in the Holy Spirit. It's pretty self-explanatory. Keep yourself in God's love. That's one thing that sometimes maybe we don't always do the best. Because um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in our lives. But according to 1 Corinthians 13, you want to turn there. Uh, the love chapter. But I like what it says at the beginning. You can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. You can do all kinds of signs and miracles. And, uh, but if you don't have love, it's worthless. If you don't do any of that in love, if it's just for show, if it's just to pat yourself on the back, you know, what's the point? So keep yourself in God's love. Wait for God's mercy. You wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring eternal, to bring you to eternal salvation. So what is that God's mercy? God's mercy is bringing us to eternal life, eternal salvation. So, <clears throat> want to break your Bible? We're, we're waiting our whole lives. So until God takes us, or comes back for us, or if we die, we're going to be waiting for God's mercy our whole lives. So get used to it. But while we're waiting, we build ourselves up in the most holy faith. We pray in the Holy Spirit, and we operate in the love of God. That's what God has called us to do. He's also called us to be merciful to those who doubt, to snatch others from the fire and save them, and to show mercy mixed with fear. Three different levels of relationships. We won't go deep in that. To show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So, I, I would dare say that we're probably on, on that last level, those of us that are maybe mature in Christ. Uh, I know that there's a mixture of, of all that. There are people in here that, that need some mercy because you have some doubts maybe about Jesus, about what's going on, about what goes on here every week. Um, some maybe need to be snatched from the fire. Some There's sin crouching at your door that you haven't mastered. Maybe need to be snatched from the fire. Uh, but a lot of us need a little mercy mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Uh, and that's God's mercy. God's mercy that He would discipline us. That He would not want us to be even stained by what is mixed with the world. Uh, friendship with the world. And in conclusion, verse 24, Jude's conclusion. To him who is able to keep you from falling and present and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Jude goes back to his position and relationship with God. Because Jesus has all glory, all majesty, all power, and all authority. It's unto Jesus Christ alone. So it's back to that position. And if we ever get ourselves out of alignment, out of position, you're in for a world, a world of hurt. So we're constantly having to come back and reposition ourselves so that we can hear from God. Uh, and that we can do what He has called us to. Pour into the body to strengthen each other so they may go and do the work of the Lord. Uh, I guess in conclusion, in conclusion, 
we've got to make sure in doing all this and, and going over this checklist that Jude gave us and uh, doing what God has called us to do. Um, we got we got to, like Charlie said, we got to measure our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we spending so much time here, there, or with this person or that person? Uh, what is it? You know, and you know, like I said, different strokes for different folks, but uh, we need to measure our motives and all the stuff that we do and don't do as well. Uh, and as Brother Zeke said, we got to find out what the idols are in our life. we got to smash them. Uh, you know, those things that were devoted to destruction. Uh, I'm talking about the other night on Monday night. As Aiken saw, um, saw some stuff, he coveted them and took them. Uh, but what if those those are the devoted things to destruction? What if there are things that are devoted to eternity? The things that are devoted to being productive in the kingdom of the Lord? What if we took that same uh, mindset, that perverted mindset of Achan, and we made it our own in a godly way? What if we saw the presence of the Lord and saw the word of the God for what it is, for the treasure that it is? And what if we coveted that so bad that nothing would get in our way, that even for fear of penalty of death, because that was, I mean, those things, the, the gold, the silver, the robe was, I mean, God devoted that to destruction. But there's things that God has devoted to eternity. He's devoted to his kingdom. What if we had that same, you know, we saw the things of God. What if we coveted them? What if we took them no matter what it cost? Uh, but it requires smashing the idols. Uh, and lastly, it requires us to to stand up and to get to work. Um, we've done a lot of, a lot of repenting, a lot of, Rebuilding altars in our lives, uh, and it's time that we we stand up and do what God's calling. This, you know, I'm telling you that God's God's busting my chops, man. I feel like I, you know, played like I don't know college football or something. I'm hurting, I'm in pain. You sit in a bath. You know those of you who play sports, you just oh, don't want to move. Um, but God's calling us to stand up. He's calling us to get to work. He's calling us to be productive in the kingdom of God. Um, it's a call to repentance, a call to holiness, it's a call, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, God's calling us to something, and it's time that we do it.